Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 27 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our new sponsor, Clio. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Hey, Tom, it was great to actually spend some time together at the ABA Tech Show a couple weeks ago and see lots sure of our was. legal tech friends. I'm really pleased with the way the video interviews that we did at Tech Show turned out, and I highly recommend to our audience that they, they take a look at those, uh, those videos or listen to the last podcast, which captured the audio of those shows. So, how are we going to follow the big interview show? Well, we'll be discussing a topic that I would wager most lawyers probably don't know a lot about or anything about, uh, the Internet Operating System. In our second segment, we will share some of our observations of ABA Tech Show 2010. And as usual, we will end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, the Internet Operating System. Dennis, why don't you get us started? Okay, Tom, you know, my feeling with the the podcast is that we should always take on a topic every so often where we can talk about a major technology development that's sort of outside the practice of law that hasn't made a big impact yet, but probably will over the next next couple of years. So, uh, we hear a lot today about cloud computing, Web 2.0, and, and that talk, frankly, can be vague and, and wispy, sort of like like clouds. But Tim O'Reilly uh, is a technology pioneer, and he is one of the people who defined Web 2.0 a few years ago. And he's posted some new things about what he calls the Internet Operating System. And I, I thought we should we should talk a little little bit about that. Um, the the idea here is that he's he's saying that the actual operation of the computing systems we use are moving away from devices onto the internet and we're starting to to see a lot of that and it goes back to his notion of of web 2.0 which is the internet is turning into an applications platform and 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 in a way the internet's become this giant database and we run these applications on the data and the different services on the internet. Um, so the internet, he argues, has some analogies to the actual operating system on our computer. And, and it's the internet where all the processing is happening. And it becomes less important to us what device we're actually attaching to the internet. So that's, that's sort of my quick explanation of, of internet operating system. Tom, do you want to add a little bit? To that? Sure. You know, I, 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 one of the things that Tim O'Reilly talks about when he discusses the internet operating system is that this is very much different from cloud computing. And I'm going to circle back in, in a minute with you, Dennis, and, and, and ask you to, to go a little bit further on that difference. But for the purposes of discussion, uh, I think that the comparisons to cloud computing are, are fa fairly similar. Cloud computing can often be an application with a database behind it that you access for services over the internet. I think where Tim O'Reilly is going, though, is that you have multiple services with multiple databases in multiple locations, all pulling together to communicate and provide information um, with each other. And so it's not just one, one database and one 
uh, one application, you've got multiple sources. And the, the way that I like to think about it is when we first used to talk uh, a couple of years ago about the idea of Web 2.0, one of the ways that we would describe it was in terms of a mashup, that uh, one of the cool things that we thought were, were Google Maps uh, pairing up with services such as uh, Chicago Crime, where a uh, you could take a police database of uh, criminal conviction or criminal arrests and, and and incidents and pair that up with a Google map so you could see what areas certain things happened and I, and I think that 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 that's what we're seeing now with this new inter- internet operating system but but more uh, of a of a hyper mashup uh, you know O'Reilly uh, has taken web 2.0 and has really ter- coined a new term that I don't know if it's going to catch on but I thought it was interesting and he calls it web squared because nowadays in addition to those Chicago crime databases or other types of government databases that have information you have individual users like you like me like like those of us who are listening, who are putting in information on the internet daily. We're checking in on Foursquare. We're putting information in on Twitter. We're uh, put, posting reviews on Yelp or on Goodreads. And they're all becoming parts of data that can then be mashed up and put into a database or an application for people to use. And so it's it's taken the idea of a mashup and elevated it to a much higher level, which I think is is, is really very interesting. Yeah, I, I, and I I think it's a movement. It's this further movement away from the sort of do-it-yourself web that probably you and I are used to. I mean, in the, the old days, and to a certain extent, I still can do this. Uh, I could do a website in HTML, and that's something I could learn. It was pretty straightforward. People come to the site, they read it. Web 2.0 is sometimes called the the read-write web because there's this interaction and ability to to both read information at a site and to and to write information to that site to actually create something. And so the internet then becomes this application platform. And so we we see a lot of, we, we go to a site and it's not just we passively get information, we actually do things. And so to me, always the great example of, of that transition is, is Google Docs. And because here's an online word processor and there's a technology, I don't want to go into a lot of detail on this, called Ajax, which in simplest terms allowed a page to refresh, allowed portions of a page to refresh. So if you're going to Google Docs, and probably a lot of our listeners are familiar with, you you type in words and it works just like a word processor. In the old days, every time you typed in a letter, you would have to refresh the whole page. And so if you can imagine Google Docs with every time you typed a letter, refreshing a whole page, it would never, it wouldn't have the functionality, wouldn't have the appeal. It was this sort of Ajax approach of, of of writing code for pages completely changed that, and so it enabled a lot of these new applications. And Tom, I think that social media, just across the board, is a great example of of you know how the internet's becoming more of an application platform, and then. O'Reilly's notion that if it is a platform, there must be something underlying it, like an operating system comes into play. But when you talk about a, a little bit of how social media, and I guess collaboration tools are, are really good examples of, of what we're moving to on the internet. 
You know, I think it's right. Nowadays, when we find ourselves on the internet, whether it's a social media site like Twitter, whether it's Facebook, um, we find that we are working more often in applications than anything else. You know, I could go to the Twitter website and do things, but I prefer to work in TweetDeck. And TweetDeck is an application that calls information from Twitter's computers. Uh, with Facebook, many of the things that I do within Facebook are controlled by applications. Uh, those of you who uh, purchased an iPad this week, this week may find that your entire life is ruled by applications. That's all you can do on uh, on an iPad or an iPhone or a similar device, other than uh, unless you're going to go and, and surf the web to go to websites. But most of those tools that you are using are indeed uh, applications that are pulling data, usually from one site, but can be pulling information from other other places. And, and I guess that makes sense about how it uh, how it can resemble a large operating system when you think about that. Yeah, and and I think that as we talked about, cloud computing is part of this. But I think I think the internet operating system, or sometimes O'Reilly says the information operating system, uh, really takes us quite a few steps further. And at the base of it is the all of these user generated databases from social media collaboration tools. Um, you know, from temperatures, sensors, traffic, cameras, all these databases out there that can be, as you said, mashed together in new ways. Uh, one of the things I liked, and to me, I'm always fond, and people who read my blog know this, I always like to pull out a money quote from a great article or, or blog post. And so my money quote from the O'Reilly uh, blog post was, was this, increasingly application developers don't do low-level image recognition, speech recognition, location lookup, social network management, or friend connect. They place high-level function calls to data-rich platforms that provide these services. So the whole development process is starting to change. We're saying, can we make better use of these existing databases that are being added to on a regular basis by people? And so we get this whole network databases. So the Facebook database, the Twitter databases all become really rich over time. For me, the breakthrough on Twitter was the point where Twitter search reached the critical mass where it became a real-time search tool where you could actually see what was going on. Um, and I think the big change is there is this movement of the actual processing away from the device um, to the internet. Don't you think, Tom? I, I do, and you know, it's when when you when you mentioned that that quote from from O'Reilly's article, I I completely agree that um, we're seeing a lot of these application providers making use of what's out there, and I think that for our listeners, one of the easiest ways to see that is in just what they call Facebook Connect. There are a number of services these days that you can either s sign up your own account, set up your own account, or uh, it, there'll be a, an option there to sign in with your Facebook account. Now, by doing that, you're essentially giving this application provider permission to access your Facebook account and perhaps get some of the information that's from there. But uh, that makes some people a little bit nervous. But you uh, you have your eyes wide open going in because it makes it very easy to just click a button and uh, the service accesses your Facebook information, authenticates, that's who you are, but then takes some information away, which I think down the road makes a lot of these applications 
stronger. You know, one thing that I want to want to cover before I throw it back to you for a, a closing, Dennis, is to talk about how um, e-discovery uh, is really going to be impacted by this, because that's my area of interest, electronic discovery. And w- I've talked about the e-discovery implications of cloud computing, but now that we're having databases become much more distributed, uh, I think that the, the implications for e-discovery are going to become a lot more complicated. You know, I, I, I think that there, there will not be an impact on e-discovery to the extent that lawyers really need to, to know about where to find data. And that doesn't matter whether it's data that's out on the internet or it's data that's on their clients' computers. But it does mean that this data is probably going to be a little bit more complicated to collect and find because these mashup tools or these different databases are putting different types of information together. So you may be able to pull some information from one database, but it will not be complete unless you find a way to combine it with something else. And so I think that the collection of of that kind of data is going to be extremely interesting. Although I think at its foundation, the basic ideas of e-discovery won't be changed by this internet operating system because we still have to identify relevant data where it resides on a server or within a database somewhere. We just have to collect it from a third party instead of one of the parties to the case. So I think that there'll be some challenges and that's what makes it interesting. But for the most part, it will just be another source of relevant electronically stored information. Dennis, before we close out on this, I guess I just have one question to me. You know, O'Reilly says the internet operating system is different from cloud computing. And I, and I wonder that for lawyers, whether this is a distinction without a difference. You know, what, what do lawyers, why do they need to understand that the internet is now a giant operating system and, and why is that important? Well, I, I I think that that in to a certain extent, obviously O'Reilly speaking to a technical audience. So um, some of the distinctions that he might make about cloud computing and what he's calling the Internet operating system um, could be more important to people who are really involved in that world. But I but I think it is a truly important one because I think with the cloud you get the sense of we store things in the internet we access certain uh, you know specific locations our data is stored out there I think the internet operating system as you were saying there's a, that sort of squaring element because it adds this complexity that's really happening of all these interconnected user generated databases uh, lots of sensors both electronic and people sensors in the sense of Twitter and Foursquare that are being that are adding information into these databases, which interconnect and then allow us to do, do certain things. And so you're getting what they call the network effects of those databases. And I and I really recommend to people the article because he lists a, a great list of analogies to operating systems and what we'll expect in the subsystems of the internet: search, obviously, media access, location, uh, real time. Payments, communications, activity streams, uh, speech recognition, uh, image recognition, all of that's going to happen out in the Internet, on, not on our device. I mean, for me, the real eye opener was with when you have an iPhone app uh, from Dragon that allows you to do speech recognition. None of that's happening on your your device. That's all happening up on the Internet. And um, in the case of uh, those, those speech recognition, it's also learning from every 
everybody using it in in these databases as they work together. I'm also really intrigued what's how what's out there in the future for automatic translation. You know, as as a translation component of what happens on the internet, so I don't have to run a translation program on my computer. It's just happening for me, so I can start to access all these web pages in different languages um, as it becomes a less and less English uh, language web. So I think there's for lawyers. I think it's it's uh, we're moving past we're moving way past the era of documents. And it's probably going to happen sooner than we think. I think it's just an idea that you need to get your head around. And then also as you look at the technology that you're going to use yourself, um, you can get some really complex and useful tools that are available for you through the internet. And and I. Think think that if nothing else, that O'Reilly's uh, blog post is really going to get lawyers interested in technology to think about some of those things. I, I agree. It's definitely a very interesting idea that lawyers would do well to learn about and understand better. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our new sponsor, our friends at Clio. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for our free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code KMR for a 25% discount. Are you interested in sponsoring other programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom, let's share just a few of our reflections on ABA Tech Show 2010, which we both just attended. You know, I, I want to kind of flip it around a little bit and reflect from the outside of Tech Show because I was very interested to see how people uh, tweeted the show and how attendees at Tech Show uh, were were sending out messages to the outside world about what was going on at Tech Show. And I think that it really affected the perception of Tech Show on the outside. And I think that's showing what Twitter can do as a as a tool for communication. You know, I think that most of the f- people who were using Twitter at Tech Show tended to be your uh, social media crowd, your cloud computing crowd, the folks who would go in for the more internet based technology sessions. And as a result, you didn't see a lot of tweeting from the electronic discovery sessions or the document management sessions or the paperless office sessions. You tended to see information from uh, more of the cool stuff that wouldn't necessarily be something that would uh, 
that would really help you provide better service to your clients uh, as some of the other things did. But Tech Show is 60 different sessions over two and a half days and is so much more than just what people were tweeting about. To be sure, there were a number of people who would tweet from some of the useful sessions, but I think those got lost in the crowd of the 60 sites in 60 minutes or the or the things that were just more fun than uh, than some of the other more important things. And I think it really affected some of the coverage of people who didn't attend Tech Show from the outside. I saw folks saying that that Tech Show was all about marketing and how to about how to sell yourself through social media. And, uh, and and while there was definitely talk about that, it was so much more than that. And there were really people questioning the value of legal technology um, education in general and, 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 you know, sort of despairing of the fact that legal fundamentals weren't being taught about the, the elements of good lawyering. And, and frankly, not to be too defensive, I think that, that most seminars are like that. There are very few seminars that, that teach the fundamentals. Uh, one thing that I think that conferences don't do is teach about legal technology. I think that uh, that it's not, you know, technology is not going to help a lawyer to become a better lawyer. They will not help you, sir, uh, will not help you be better at advocacy or at being ethical or at learning how to write a brief or things like that. But Technology definitely helps you to serve your clients better and helps you be more efficient, helps you uh, be more economical, save money to your clients, and uh, just generally provide better service uh, to them in general. And that's why I'm obviously a big advocate for Tech Show. So I've kind of ranted right there for a couple of minutes. Dennis, uh, how, how did you feel about Tech Show? Well, I want to pick up on something you said, which I I was really fascinated by, because we've seen this before, you know, in the era of blogging. But it's it's as for conferences now, people in the audience will use Twitter. They'll they'll make audio. They potentially even do video. I mean, you could have a session like a sixty tip session where somebody could tweet every single tip, and and they are and they're doing that. Yeah, and then it raises questions for the the conference people of how you use that. And the message is not your own. It's a crowdsourced message. People are writing what they think. So if the Wi-Fi is bad, people are going to hear about it who aren't into the conference because people on Twitter have no qualms about complaining about Wi-Fi being bad. Or, of course, the the great problem of all conferences, if the coffee is bad, you you won't believe the you know, the wall of tweets, you'll get complaining about that. But so I, I think it raised some interesting questions. We see the movement toward these things and, and the perception of a conference or an event that goes out versus what's actually happening there. Uh, the perception of a session of, of how it's being tweeted as opposed to what's actually being said there. Uh, and, and it's fascinating in a lot of ways. I mean, just a couple of observations about tech show. Um, I thought that uh, there was there's certainly more energy and more excitement than last year. So you had the vague sense maybe that the the economy was a little better. It seemed like on the exhibit floor, the the vendors felt there there was certainly more energy and and more of an audience than in the previous you know previous year, which was obviously economy affected. Um, I didn't really notice you know like sort of one killer app or one area that I'm really you know coming back and saying this is the thing you have to to look for i mean i think obviously the the impact of the cloud type applications is uh, has gotten a lot of attention sharepoint continues to draw a lot of attention and it seemed like as you said tom th- th- there's not like a 
a, I would still say it's a very small percentage of lawyers, even those interested in legal technology who are big into social media and using it on a regular place. So it sort of gets a disproportionate attention than what's really going on there. But it's undeniable what the impact is on, on sort of setting agenda and, and getting the word out about, about different aspects of, of legal technology conferences and, and the practice of law in general. Well, all in all, we think it was a successful conference, and we're looking forward to next year's show. It will be Tech Show's 25th anniversary, and it takes place on April 11th through the 13th, 2011. Keep in mind that our schedule next year will be a little bit different. It'll be from Monday through Wednesday, so make your plans accordingly. And if you were one of those who came away with a certain impression based on the, uh, the tweets that you saw, come to Tech Show yourself and see if it's any different. Yeah, Tom, I'm a, I've been going to Tech Show for... 10 plus years, more than 10 years. And it's just a great show to go to. And as I always say to people, if, you know, every lawyer interested in technology deserves to go to a tech, one of the big technology shows once every couple of years. But it's time for our parting shots, Tom. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Take it away. My uh, parting shot is from uh, Chris Brogan's website. If you haven't read the book Trust Agents, I recommend that you read it. It's it's an interesting book, and it and it demonstrates it's it's you know I think primarily for companies and how companies can become trust agents on the internet. And by trust agents, I mean someone who isn't making a pitch to sell, and someone who becomes trusted for the information they provide on the internet, and because of that, they become successful in business. So it doesn't just have to apply to companies. It can apply to anybody, lawyers included. And Chris Brogan's website, uh, he consistently provides really interesting information. And so, I'm going to post a link to the show notes, uh, inviting you to create a simple presence framework. And so, this is how do you create a framework on the internet that gets you present out there? And, you know, it talks about some of the basic tools of using Facebook or Twitter or getting a blog, but it really talks about listening first, um, finding passports, uh, in your strategy that uh, that are profiles on various sites, um, to getting outposts that are social sites that you might want to maintain an online presence, but where your participation is going to be split between interacting with people and guiding them to your home base. But you always want to keep a home base, which is a website or a blog or something like that. It's a really interesting read. Dennis? And Tom, my, my parting shot is is something that illustrates the, our main topic, and it's a site called Hunch.com, H-U-N-C-H. It's a, one of the recommendation engines, and there's a history of recommendations. It starts with MIT in the 90s, where you would rate bands that you would like, and it would suggest other bands or music that, that you might like. Amazon obviously uses it as part of their recommendation engine. And Hunch takes it to another extreme, and they've gotten $10 million of financing or, or funding recently. And uh, so, you can get recommendations on all sorts of things. The idea is you fill out a survey and it and the database, this is another example of the user-generated database, but it learns about you and your choices and what people like you who have s- indicated that they like similar things would like. And so, it it learns from that. And then, to tie it back to the, the internet operating system, you look at the pieces of that internet operating system that n- can now start to connect to this. So, you say, if my operating system does real-time search, I can see what other people are saying right now about that. If it has geography in it, maps, location, I can find the nearest place to get those things. Um, so, it becomes 
one piece of a, of a number of things that can be pulled together and give you information on a phone where all the processing happens outside your device and back on the internet. So great example of, of I think, the, the internet operating system and a great tip for people as well. Excellent site. I'm interested in trying it out. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. We're also on Twitter at tkmreport. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. And we'll see you out on the Internet platform. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.